You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we look at some potential trade targets for the Jets leading up to the deadline. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. So, not too much going on with the Winnipeg Jets since we last met on Friday. The team's pretty much been off since that rough one against the Avs. Nikolai Ehlers is the latest Jet to enter COVID protocol, so hopefully a speedy recovery for Ehlers. But other than that, things have been pretty quiet for the Jets. Obviously, it's going to stay that way until they take on the Red Wings on Thursday. So with that in mind, I thought we'd switch gears a little bit for today's episode and take our first look at the trade market in the NHL. As we get close to the halfway point of the season, Frank Saravelli of the Daily Faceoff unveiled his first 20 names on the big board last week. So we'll build off that, add a few more names for some potential targets the Winnipeg Jets could be looking at for their, well, for their hopeful playoff push. So we'll look at available options on the blue line and up front. We'll avoid the backup goalie spot because I think the Jets just roll with Comrie for the rest of the year. That way you don't have to to give up any assets with Connor Hellebuck likely to play most of the games anyways. Now, if we do see the Jets make additions to the deadline, I think their targets change. I think how high the Jets aim differs when you talk about potential forwards and potential defensemen to join the team via trade this season. Up front, if the Jets do make an ad, I, I think that a middle six forward is kind of the, the high end of someone they target, right? Like, there's more than enough skill up front for the Jets. You don't need to add a, a first-line player, but a spot on either the second or third line, I think, makes a lot of sense. On the blue line, though, this is where if the Jets do make a move, I believe it's for a big name. A no-doubt-about-it difference maker. Somebody that moves the needle. And that's where we're going to start. Look at the names on the trade market. Because when you look at the Jets' blue line, while it's not the the splashiest group of defensemen, there's a good amount of depth there. When you've got Bolu, Hanela, Sandberg, Kovacevic ready to step in if there's an injury, I, I just don't see a scenario where Chevy gives up any draft picks for a depth blue liner that you know might not play. And on top of that, you probably won't be better than what the Jets have waiting in their system already, right? So I, I just don't see the Jets making a move for a depth defenseman or even, say, a second-pairing guy because 
in all honesty, that the Jets have at least five of those with the team right now. That That's not the issue. It's the high-end talent that the Jets, I think, are lacking on the back end. And to me, it was really evident watching that game against the Colorado Avalanche, watching the Avalanche again on Saturday, too, when they have guys like McCarr and Taves and Gerard on the blue line for them. And while those caliber of players are not going to be available on the trade market, I do think if there's somebody maybe a shade below them, that's where Winnipeg needs to make an aggressive move and, and pull the trigger on a deal if it's there. Now, interestingly enough, the top two names that we absolutely know are on the market, which is rare for high-end defensemen, either have been or are top-pair defensemen on their specific teams. I think the big name right now that we've heard a lot of smoke around, and surprisingly so, it's probably the biggest name on the entire market, to be honest. And that's Jacob Trickrin from the Arizona Coyotes. A 23-year-old, soon to be 24-year-old, but a 23-year-old that's coming off 18 goals and 55 games for the Arizona Coyotes the season prior. I think 41 points in 55 games on pace for pretty much a 60-point season as a 23-year-old doing all the heavy lifting on a bad Arizona Coyotes team. You would think that for a club with an eye towards the future would not look to move their stud number one 23-year-old defenseman. But it is the Coyotes we're talking about here. So I think everything has to be put out on the table. And, you know, what you hear, Sarah Valley, Friedman, Drager. I'm sure Bob has <laughs> has some info on it too, but he's keeping it quiet. When you hear all the big insiders talking about it, I, I think we have to assume that, yeah, the Arizona Coyotes are, for whatever reason, legitimately shopping Jacob Chikrin. Now, there's a few reasons why Chikrin makes a ton of sense for a team like the Winnipeg Jets. He makes a ton of sense for a lot of teams out there. It sounds like everybody's getting down the bidding right now. But why does Jacob Chikrin make sense for the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I mean, first and foremost, he probably immediately becomes this team's best defenseman. So there's that, right? On top of that, you're getting a player just about to reach his physical prime who signed for three more years after this season comes to an end at a cap hit that is a ridiculously manageable $4.6 million per season. So anytime a young, about to reach his prime, number one defenseman that's under contract for three seasons with a cap hit under $5 million per year becomes available on the market, it's a no-brainer for just about every team in the NHL to make calls, especially any clubs that don't have that, no doubt about it, number one defenseman. So, I mean, that's the good when it comes to Jacob Chikrin. But the, the one thing, if we look at some of the negatives about potentially acquiring the young defenseman, I guess the biggest one for me is this, and, and we don't really know the answer to this and, and probably won't know for a couple of seasons. But it's just how good is he? We all know he's an extremely good defenseman. I mean, all the skills you could ask for, Jacob Chikrin, I think, has shown so far in his early NHL career. But can you say with certainty that you're acquiring a number one defenseman, right? Like, there's a little bit of doubt for me that he might be worth the package that you have to give up to get him, which we'll get to in just a second here. But we've really only seen high-end production from Jacob Chikrin last season. And that was only for 55 games. It wasn't even for an entire 82-game season, albeit those 55 games were tremendous. You know, 18 goals on pace for well over 50 points while playing 
all-minutes tough situations for the Coyotes. Outside of that, I think he's been good but not great for the rest of his NHL career. So I, I do have some questions, I guess, just about how high the ceiling is for a guy like Jacob Chikrin. Now, you can also make the point that, you know what, getting a, a boost just by leaving the Coyotes organization might push him to a no-doubt about a number one guy. And you might very well be right with that. But that that is the one risky thing when you talk about making a move to acquire Jacob Chikrin is that you hope he's going to be a number one guy. He, he may even well project to be that moving forward. But there's a level of uncertainty that, that does make me question whether or not this would be the move you make where you pull all your assets together and push all your chips towards the front of the table and go all in for, right? I have no problem making an aggressive move like that, but I do wonder if Chikrin is the player that you pull the trigger for on something like that. Which now brings us to the other potentially negative part of trying to pull off a Jacob Chikrin trade. And that would be the assets that you're going to be required to give up for him. And we, we kind of have a sense of what the asking price, at least, is from the Arizona Coyotes right now. Don't know if any team is is on the doorstep of making that happen. But we've heard enough smoke here that it sounds like it's the usual. A young player, a first-round pick, and a high-end prospect, right? Kind of the usual trade package for a high-end guy on the trade market. And some comparisons being made to the Brent Burns trade uh, just over 10 years ago. When he went from Minnesota to San Jose, Devin Setaguchi, Charlie Coyle, first round pick. Now, those names might sound underwhelming right now, but at the time, that was kind of seen as a good package or, or at least a, a, a respectable one for Brent Burns. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. A young roster player, a high-end prospect, and a first round pick. So when you take a look at the Winnipeg Jets and their roster right now, I mean, the first round pick and the prospect that they do have, right? So you're talking about a first-round pick in the upcoming draft. I would imagine it's Vili Hanela that would be the guy going the other way. But, I mean, maybe Arizona likes Dylan Sandberg more. I don't know. But I would imagine it would have to be one of those two players. For me, Cole Perfetti is a, a complete untouchable. So first-rounder, either Hanela slash Sandberg. And then the roster player gets kind of interesting because I'm, I'm not sure if the Jets necessarily have that guy that Arizona's looking for, right? Like, I mean, Andrew Kopp's an upcoming UFA, so do the Coyotes want to make a trade for somebody that would likely hit the free agent market as soon as you acquire him? I'm not so sure about that. Are guys like Harkins and Veselainen enough to move the needle for Arizona? I'm not so sure about that either. So there's some question marks. I mean, A, on the Arizona side, do the Jets have enough to offer? But then B, on the Winnipeg side... Are you willing to give up a Vili Hanela or a Dylan Sandberg to acquire a defenseman that you can't say for sure is a number one top pairing guy on a contending team, I should say? It's a tough call. Yeah, it's it's a tough call for the Jets. I mean, I guess fortunately, depending how you look at it, I don't think the Winnipeg Jets would make this move in season. And I really wonder if Chikrin gets traded at all leading up to the deadline. To me, this is a move that makes more sense from Arizona's perspective heading into the draft. You'll have more teams, less cap issues to worry about. It, it just, if you want to get the best return, to me, it makes the most sense to do it then. And then the Winnipeg Jets can maybe, you know, find a way to make that package happen. But I'll tell you what, you got to be pretty damn sure that Chikrin's going to be a high-end guy if you're giving up somebody 
like a Billy Hanela to go along with the first round pick and whatever else ends up being the part of the package for that deal. Tough call for Kevin Chevalier off, but I mean, look, scared money don't make no money. And with the potential window closing with Shifley, Hellebuck, their contracts coming up in a couple years, Blake Wheeler's as well, Nick Ehlers not too far after that. At some point here, you got to make an aggressive move. My concern would be, is Jacob Chikrin, does he fall into the category of let's push our chips in and make the move because he's going to be the guy that pushes this team over the edge. So that's one of the big name defensemen that's on the trade market right now. The other one is actually, I mean, I guess they're both in division. I keep forgetting Arizona's back in the central for the time being until they moved to Houston. Uh, but the other defenseman that's on the market and has kind of been in the news over the past few days is John Klingberg from the Dallas Stars. John Klingberg apparently unhappy, not feeling appreciated with Dallas, who is kind of right where the Jets are on the playoff bubble, on the wild card bubble. A pending UFA, it, it seems like all sides, all signs are pointing to both sides parting ways this upcoming offseason. And then Klingberg will try to cash in in free agency. But I guess the question is then, do the Dallas Stars make a move before that? Unless the Dallas Stars reel off like 10 straight wins or something like that and, and look like Dark Horse Cup contenders, I have to imagine that John Klingberg gets moved before the trade deadline just because it's a Stars team that probably could use some assets, whether or not they you know pick or play those prospects, but they could probably use a bit of an injection of youth in a potential Klingberg deal. And, you know, you might just need some harsh reality to sit in here and realize that we're not going to be a cup-winning team this year. Let's get what we can from this asset before he walks away for nothing. So is John Klingberg a potential target for the Winnipeg Jets heading into the playoff push? I would say no for a number of reasons. I, I think a lot of people would agree with me on this one. But let me know, again, on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki. If you're all in for either Chikrin or Klingberg, should the Jets pass on both of those players, find a new target in the offseason, let me know what you think about those two names in particular. But with John Klingberg, to me, I think he's more of a target for a no-doubt-about-a-cup contending team. I think ultimately his value is going to be as a high-end rental. I, I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense for the Winnipeg Jets to give up assets for a guy that, you know, is likely to be gone in a couple of, of weeks after you acquire him. I don't think the Jets are there as a team to make a move for somebody like that. And on top of it, even if you do trade for him and, you know, with the intention of re-signing him, I'm not so sure that's a great idea either. Going to be 30, headed into next season. And I imagine we're talking about, you know, at least six years and six to seven million is probably the floor of a contract that John Klingberg is looking at. I, I just don't see how that fits in whatsoever with what the Winnipeg Jets are doing. And I don't know if that contract is a good one for any team in the NHL. So he's a guy that, yeah, for sure would make the Jets a better team. Again, probably would become immediately this team's best defenseman. But if it costs me a first-round pick plus, I'm going to hold on to that for either a Jacob Chikrin or see if something else pops up in the upcoming offseason. So those are the two big names when it comes to defensemen that would really move the needle for the Winnipeg Jets at the trade deadline. I, I wonder if the majority of fans wouldn't just wait till the offseason to try to make a bigger splash. Or maybe, maybe Chikrin's the guy. I, I, I'm intrigued to hear what you guys think. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki for that. Now, let's move to the forwards here. We've got more targets than we do when it comes to defensemen, but... 
a little bit lower on the totem pole. We'll get to those names in just a sec. But first, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. A big week ahead in the sporting world because the NFL playoffs are here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a huge offer to kick things off because with Super Bowl 56 just weeks away, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. So if you bet $5, that's all you need, you can win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Now remember too, if Sportsbook is not available in your state or province just yet, you still have a lot to play for during wildcard weekend. Huge cash prices are always up for grabs with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, unofficial sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So Chikrin and Klingberg are my two big names when it comes to the Blue Liners. Up front, I just I, I can't envision a scenario where the Winnipeg Jets give up a ton of assets to grab one of the high-end names on the forward market. And even a guy like Phil Kessel, for example, I, I I just don't know if that's a realistic fit either. Maybe it is, but I imagine a team somewhere in the top five, top ten of the NHL would make a move for a guy like Phil Kessel, as much as I would like to see him come here to Winnipeg. But the list of names that I've put together here, you know, really fall more so towards third liners. I know I mentioned middle six players, and, and some of these guys, you know, would be second line players on, on you know, even good playoff teams. But I, I think the Winnipeg Jets are pretty comfortable with the guys, the mix that they have in their top six. Right now, it's more so can we find a fit for a replacement for guys like Mason Appleton? and Brandon Tanev, and Joel Armia, that offensive catalyst on the third line that could still be defensively responsible and chip in with some offense here and there. Wouldn't surprise me either to see the Jets, you know, if they are in a wildcard spot, pick up a couple of forwards, and maybe somebody that can fill in on the fourth line as well, since the Riley Nash experiment didn't work out so well. So I, I got a list of names here that I think are realistic targets, at least for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, for me, the most intrigue lies on the left wing for the Winnipeg Jets with the names that are available up front to the trade market. The two guys that I like the most more than any other name on this list, I'll get to my favorite one first here because it looks like Columbus is going to be selling. I uh, I don't see a Jack Roslovic reunion in the offering anytime soon, so we'll leave him off the list here. But a guy that I have, I, I really... Would have loved to have seen him in Winnipeg earlier. And I just wonder about the potential impact he could give the team. But Max Domi is a really, really intriguing name for me. I do wonder if the price tag on Domi, in terms of what you'd have to give up, would maybe push him away from a team like the Winnipeg Jets. But if you can maybe find a way to get him on the cheap, I think there's a ton of value. And I think it's a great, great fit here. I mean, he's been really 
underratedly strong so far this season. Not getting a ton of ice time. He's only getting, I think, 13 and a half minutes uh, per game right now. But he's already up to 21 points. And all of those have come even strength. So he's he's been really, really efficient so far this season. It just it looks like it's not going to work for him out there in Columbus. But there's the potential for him to play in a lot of different roles for the Jets. He can play on the second line. He can play on the third line. He plays all three forward positions. So there's a ton of versatility there. And on top of it, maybe he's a, kind of a mini Andrew Kopp replacement if Kopp decides to test the UFA market this upcoming offseason. So Max Domi makes a lot of sense to me in terms of a potential fit. It's just going to come down to what the cost is going to be. And it's tough to get a gauge on that because based solely off his, his talent and his skill level, you would think that a decently high pick is going to have to be offered up to get him out of Columbus. But having said that, you know, he, he wasn't traded for a whole lot a few years ago back when he was with Montreal and his value has taken a bit of a hit since then. To me, I mean, this would be best case scenario, I think. But Max Domi is definitely a name we're going to have to keep our eyes on as we move closer to the deadline, especially if the Jets can find themselves in semi-comfortable playoff positioning. The other big name at left wing is a name I mentioned when I joined Hustler on Winnipeg Sports Talk last week. Uh, but Jake DeBrusque requested a trade out of Boston. And even with the Bruins likely to make the playoffs does kind of seem like it's the uh, beginning of the end and and DeBrusque is going to be out of his way in Boston sometime soon. And that's another name, I, I would say a little bit below Domi for me, but a guy that you might not have to give up all that much for and he can still potentially be a part of your present and future. I, he's had a, a couple of tough seasons with the Bruins after scoring 20 plus goals really early in his career, but again, a guy that isn't going to be a top-line player for you, but you don't need him to be, right? Like, be an impact player on either the second or third line. He, not as versatile as Max Domi. I believe he's only played on the wing so far in his career. But a kind of, uh, you know, like maybe a a less physical but more skilled Brandon Tannen. Like, there might be a stylistic fit on the third line if you're looking at a, a Lowry cop and then potentially Jake DeBrusque third line. So that's a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing the Winnipeg Jets keep a close tab on if his name is still floating around. We'll see what the potential market is for him in terms of what kind of a pick you'd have to give up. But I think Jake DeBrus could fit in quite nicely with this group of Winnipeg Jets forwards. I mean, we might as well just roll out the rest of the list with the left wingers here. I, I you know, I wonder if Matthew Pro could potentially come back if we're talking about reunions, you know. I guess it just hasn't gone great for him in Montreal because the Habs have been so bad. He gets to relive out his, his childhood dream a little bit at least. But Matthew Pro, while maybe not a, a third-line target for the Jets, would definitely be a big-time improvement for the team's fourth line. So Perot potentially could be a guy that could see his way back over to Winnipeg. The other name is, is more of a fun one here. It's, it's more of a, a brand name than anything at this point. Uh, but, I mean, Zach Parise very well could be on the market once again if the Islanders continue their free fall down the Metro Division standings. I mean, if you wanted to, you could recreate a hell of a line from 2015 and have Wheeler, Parise, and Stasny all together, the, the great American hope from six, seven years ago. Um, but, I mean, Parise would be a good depth at. I, I wonder if he would be effective on the third line at this point in his career. 
but he's played in a ton of big games. I mean, obviously extremely productive. He knows, I mean, he's played well in those games as well, right? Like the playoff, the, the Stanley Cup run for the Devils a few years back, scored that big goal in Vancouver during the Olympics for Team USA. He wouldn't be a bad fit. I, he wouldn't be a bad pickup. Not one that would necessarily move the needle a ton, but if he's a depth player for your team, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Winnipeg Jets. And I wonder if there's a, a bit of a chemistry fit. You know, I'm sure Parise knows Wheeler and Stasny somewhat from playing for Team USA. Now, if we flip over to the other wing, right wingers that could be available for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, we'll, we'll get to, I, I got a different category once we get through the right wingers and the centermen. Because there is a right wing that I think would be a really good fit for the Jets. And we have proof of that. But... Alex Radulov is a really intriguing name, isn't he? You know, we mentioned Klingberg and the Dallas Stars maybe potentially looking to be sellers at the deadline if they fall way too far back in the wildcard chase. Radulov would be a real, real fun fit on the second line, I think. That would be an intriguing fit. He's a lot more physical, I think, than people really give him credit for. So he kind of adds a, a different element to the Winnipeg Jets forward group. And then on top of that, you'd have the ability to, to put... Andrew Kopp on Adam Lowry's line full-time. Or Blake Wheeler can drop down to the third line. Radulov is a name that I didn't really think a whole lot of when I when I started researching this, but there might be a potential fit here if the stars fall out of the playoff picture. One other guy as well that I don't know how familiar a lot of people are with him, um, but Vladimir Nemestikov is having a pretty, a pretty damn good quiet season with the Red Wings so far this year. So we'll get to see Nemestikov on Thursday night when the Red Wings play the Jets. But he's just over half a point a game right now. He's not playing a ton of minutes either. He's kind of bounced all over the NHL, but he had some good years with the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. He can play all three forward positions. So again, like Domi, a ton of versatility for the Winnipeg Jets. He's a guy that I think could fit well on the third line. I, I don't know if you I don't know if you would want him in the top six here for the Jets. I don't know if he'd be able to crack that anyways, but as a third line chip in a couple of points here and there, guy, eh, you could do worse than Vladimir Nemesnikov, and it probably only costs you, you know, a, a mid to a late round pick. So if you're if you're a fan of making moves but not breaking the bank, maybe Nemesnikov is somebody that can fit that mold for you. And then when we move down the middle, just a couple of potential centermen that the Winnipeg Jets could go after. I mean, in the mold of forwards that can play all three positions, Chris Tierney has done that for both Ottawa and San Jose. I, I mean, I think he's probably more of a fourth-line target for you. Uh, I mean, he fits the mold of veteran fourth-line center that the Winnipeg Jets love to put out there. But he's actually good. <laughs> Chris Tierney's a good player still. You know, he's not doing as well with the Senators as he's done in the past. But he would definitely be an upgrade down the middle on fourth-line centers the Jets have trotted out the past couple of seasons. So, so Tierney wouldn't be a bad depth addition. Dylan Strom really intrigues me. You know, it, it's so bizarre, his stint in Chicago, how it's gone and, and how he's fallen out of favor at this point. Because when he was acquired out of Arizona, he looked like maybe the, the heir apparent to Jonathan Taves down the middle. Or at the very least, a, a good complimentary piece. And he just hasn't gotten back to that lofty height. He's had, you know, some bad luck and, and maybe... Maybe he just didn't work under Jeremy Carlton for Dylan Strom either. I mean, I don't know what the situation is there, but you're talking about, you know, the, the former third overall pick in a draft that, you know, saw guys like Mitch Marner and 
Ivan Provorov and, and Kyle Connor and Matt Barzell go after him. Like, there's a ton of talent and a ton of skill there. And I, 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 I wouldn't mind trying to unlock a little bit of that, especially because it would be in a depth role, right? Like, you're talking about Dylan Strom as a, you know, a, a for sure bottom six guy. I mean, maybe a tweener on the second line, but you're you're not asking him to kind of have all this pressure and weight on his shoulders. I don't know if he can play out there on the wing. He he might have primarily been a centerman with Chicago, but if the price is right, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Dylan Strom. Hell, I mean, Svechnikov was a first-round flyer, a, for, a former first-round pick that the Jets took a flyer on. Maybe Dylan Strom could be striking goal twice in the same vein there. So another name to keep an eye on. The final group of players that we have to look at here, a, a few different positions, but the reason I, I push them to the end is because it's just an entire team's worth of players. But the Seattle Kraken have a ton of potential options for the Winnipeg Jets to target when you're talking about um, whether it is just a rental or somebody that stays with you for multiple seasons. The, the Kraken have got basically everything that you could be looking for. And maybe the most intriguing name is when we know so much here in Winnipeg, and that's Mason Appleton. Right? He's kind of, I don't want to say he's fallen out of favor in Seattle, but he's bounced around the lineup. He's, he's playing a decent amount of minutes, but not a ton. And offensively, it hasn't gone as well for him in Seattle as it had in Winnipeg the year prior. You know, I, I just wonder if that's a guy that the Kraken might just punt on. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it hasn't worked for us so far. Let's try to find you a different spot that, that might work best, and, and we can both go our separate ways. And I think Mason Appleton, for me at least, has proven that he could be a really effective third-line player. And the fact that he did it last year with Adam Lowry, I, I wouldn't mind taking another crack in Mason Appleton. Uh, yes, I mean, it, it's kind of weird to give up assets for a player you lost for nothing, but you know that he can play well and he's got chemistry with Adam Lowry. On top of that, an upcoming RFA, so you still have team control for him for, you know, at, at least, I believe, two more seasons. And he's only 25 years old. So Mason Appleton is actually, you know, pretty high on my wish list for potential forwards the Winnipeg Jets could look at. Some other pending UFAs that the Kraken will likely be looking to move on from. Marcus Johansson, who hasn't quite fit in well with the Seattle Kraken so far, but again, a guy that can play all three forward positions. And I think, uh, a, a, I mean, he's an upgrade on, on what the Jets have right now on their third line. So, I mean, Johansson is a potential candidate. Kelly Yarncroke has been pretty pretty good for the Kraken. I wonder if they would move on from him. Um, but he's a player that, I mean, we're familiar with back in his days with the Predators, who's who's a pretty uh, effective third line or even fourth line forward. A guy like Colin Blackwell, who maybe a lot of casual fans don't know a lot about. An undersized forward who's got a ton of offensive skill. He, he was pretty nifty with the Rangers the past couple of seasons. I've enjoyed watching him play. Uh, but that's another target that teams could be looking at. And then you have a guy like Riley Shahan, who's more your traditional veteran fourth line centerman. You know, only a late round pick that you'd have to give up. But again, potentially an upgrade over what the Winnipeg Jets have right now. So that's it as far as, I think, realistic trade targets, both on the back end and up front. I mean, you may have noticed I didn't touch on the Philadelphia Flyers just yet because they, I believe, look to be sellers coming up at the trade deadline. But the big, potentially the biggest name of all that might be available is a guy like Claude Giroux. 
And boy, oh boy, I mean, he'd be a huge ad for any team in the playoff race. But I, I just don't see the fit there with the Winnipeg Jets. That's why I didn't include him. Um, similar in, in the Phil Kessel mold, where I, I think a Colorado, a Tampa Bay, maybe even a Florida Panthers. To me, it's a team like that that wants one more big-time piece to push them over the edge. So they give up a ton for a rental that's probably not going to be there next season. Those are the teams that I think make a move for guys like Claude Giroux and Phil Kessel and maybe even a John Klingberg as well. Um, but, I mean, a ton of a ton of intrigue headed into the deadline in just over two months' time. And, I mean, realistically, on top of it, we'll know the answer to this the closer we get to that date. But we will, if things go a little bit south here, we will have to have the discussion here in Winnipeg about potentially moving on and being sellers with some UFAs, some petting UFAs the Winnipeg Jets have, which includes a potentially big piece in Andrew Kopp, a veteran guy in Paul Stasny, and then a depth defenseman in Nathan Beaulieu. But I mean, right there, you're talking about three players that could potentially nab you three, four, five draft picks if the Jets fall well out of the playoff picture. So, I mean, there's a ton of angles and a ton more to figure out here when it comes to the trade deadline. But at the very least, you know, 32 games into the season and a ton more until the trade deadline, you know, we could talk about the Winnipeg Jets potentially adding instead of potentially selling at the trade deadline. That's going to do it for today's episode, though. Where we're back at it on Friday, we'll thankfully have some actual hockey to talk about. We'll get into the lone game for the Winnipeg Jets in over a week. So they'll be well-rested as the road trip continues, this time into Detroit, to take on the surprising Red Wings, who have been extremely competitive so far this season. They're hanging around in the Eastern Conference wildcard chase, although they've started to fall back a little bit here. It's a huge game for the Jets. I I call games like this a must-win, mainly because the Jets' schedule gets really difficult over the next several games. I mean, you got the Capitals on the road as well coming up, a few other teams in the Metro Division, and then some Central Division matchups that the Jets will need to win if they want to keep pace in the playoff chase. So you can't drop games, even though Detroit has been more competitive this season, you can't drop games against teams like that if you want to find yourselves being no doubt about it, buyers, at the upcoming trade deadline. So we'll get into that game when we're back at it on Friday. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We're back at it on Friday. Stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Peace.